This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter, and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre trope movie or show each episode. And I just realized that we're in a public place and I'm like, I'm very conch, conch, uh, cautious of the volume of my voice. But, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but we're here at Barnes & Noble, um, at an undisclosed Barnes & Noble. Um, and uh, also, you can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, more of our podcasts, ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts, and all that good stuff. And joining me today on this special on-location podcast episode is Evan Dossie, the creator? Co-founder. I'd say co-founder, co-founder and administrator of MidwestFilmJournal.com. Nice. Yep. Which just... Uh, are you guys still in the process of doing your our Star Wars thing? Yeah, we have three more our Star nice. Wars es- essays to go up. That's beginning awesome. of next week it's over on christmas eve very yeah. cool and uh our contributor ben actually contributed an yeah. essay to that, that was so. a great piece he really oh, yeah. pitch hit revenge of the sith for us because nice. i couldn't find anyone else who wanted to write something oh, really? <laughs> he wrote a really nice essay about revenge of the sith awesome. yeah yeah uh kind of like i basically i had lunch with him uh like earlier this year and he mentioned that he wanted to write reviews and stuff, and I was like, well, you know, be a contributor to Obsessive Viewers, so yeah. we can actually have some written content on the website. Yeah. Um, and so, like, he's been knocking it out of the park on that on Yeah, that I think front, he's so. uh, he's contributing to our year-end. We have a year-end nice. roundup with all the guests who wrote for our site oh, over the sweet. year. He's going to write about um, a 2019 release, and uh, for mm-hmm. the life of me, I can't remember which, because mm-hmm. we have, like, 12 or, si- 12 or so. And, sure. uh yeah, hopefully he can contribute more essays to our essay series. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to bring you on the show because you're poaching my contributor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we know each other through the IFJA. Yep. Um, and do you want to just kind of talk about Midwest Film Journal and yeah. IFJA? And yeah. So um, Midwest Film Journal, I, I guess I'll, I'll start at the IFJA, mm-hmm. actually. Okay. So the IFJA, the Indiana Film Journalist Association, was started in 2009 by, I believe, six of the current members. Um, and it's sort of grown exponentially. We gain at least an average of a, a new member a year mm-hmm. uh, over the past decade. I was sort of that new member for 2016. Nice. Um, and... Um, that was my first meeting. So this was my fourth meeting with the IFJA. Wow. We spend the year watching every movie we can, letting each other know what movies to watch, you know, do our normal reviews for our outlets and our podcasts and such. Mm-hmm. And then in the thir- second or third weekend of December every year, we have the IFJA Awards, mm-hmm. which are a nationally recognized um, film, a film award um, with like best, best film best actor and stuff well, I, I guess we're going to go through all of the, our yeah. awards but yeah so uh, we also have the Hoosier Award for mm-hmm. Hoosier contributions to film and lo- or and or local film culture just depending on what's happened that year um, obviously this year we had a high profile script written by a Hoosier screenwriter mm-hmm. but uh, in past years we've given it to documentaries about Indianapolis nice. uh, we gave it for the movie Columbus mm-hmm. um, which was set in Indiana um, that's sort of our most unique award. Mm-hmm. Um, but the IFJ, you know, we've been working really hard to, to get our profile up there. I mean, we're one of only 50 state organizations that have, um, you know, recognition by, by studios. Wow. Um, I mean, obviously one of 50, but 
I, I don't even know that every state has a critics organization. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good job. I mean, credit to Chris Lloyd, especially. Yeah. Uh, he helped. He was one of the people who started the organization. Bob Bloom, um, Nick Rogers, who's a, a co-owner uh, of Midwest Film Journal with me. Uh, Midwest Film Journal came because I started writing for Film Me Up, which was Chris Lloyd's site, mm-hmm. along with Sam Watermeyer, uh, Allie Cavan is my wife. Uh, came along later to write for them. Uh, Nick Rogers was writing for them. Joe Shearer. And uh, after I got in the IFJA, I felt like I could do more um, mm-hmm. besides just contribute to Film Me Up. So... A bunch of us branched off of Film Me Up, started Midwest Film Journal, okay. which uh, let us approach criticism in a different way than Film Me Up does. Mm-hmm. Different but equal, yeah. but more something catered to our taste. So our goal is uh, more analytical, thoughtful essays rather than just reviews. Right. And um, as well, we have our group writing projects. Mm-hmm. For four or so times a year, we come up with a theme. We have a whole roster of people who have contributed. We get essays from everyone, um, and right now, like you said, we're doing our Star Wars, mm. which is our Star Wars essay series, which runs from December 1st to December 24th. Mm. Uh, I think it's our largest at 20 essays. Wow. Uh, minimum 500 words. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, you know, one of the big things, too, for us with our essay series is that the essays are not shit takes. Right. The specific goal is to write something thoughtful that expands the experience of the film mm-hmm. rather than contracts it or creates a negative discourse. Yeah. Because I, I believe most films are capable of 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 being a positive influence in someone's life and a mm-hmm. positive experience. And I think that negative discourse is, is really overrated. So right. that's the Midwest Film Journal in a nutshell. And, nice. and most of us are members of the IFJA now, whether mm-hmm. we were before or after right. we started Midwest Film Journal. Um, we encourage most of our writers to try applying for other outlets and stuff, mm-hmm. but you know it's a uh, kind of a tough world out there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say the, like I was intrigued by the our Star Wars essay thing, but I, yeah. like that's one of the reasons why I didn't like submit anything or anything because I, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. And that's fine. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny because I was rewatching the Last Jedi. Yeah. In anticipation of the Rise of Skywalker, and I was like. I was just sitting there thinking, like, yeah, this, I could, like, I could do some typing about this. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's the, a, yeah. Yeah, I, I love The Last Jedi. I think it's the best mm-hmm. movie in the Star Wars canon, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the first two movies that were made. Right. Um, so it was such a debt to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really heartened when we, you know, every time I send out the distribution email, I state, you know, first of all, I'm not paying you anything. I don't expect anyone to right. write anything. <laughs> write what you feel you can write. If you pitch something and you don't do it mm. no hard feelings time is you know time is time yeah um but we actually managed to do a better job than i expected of having only one essay per movie mm-hmm. um and then so so we alternate movie essays that are specifically about the movie okay. and essays that are more general about oh. star wars as a franchise mm-hmm. and we did a really good job i think we just have two empire strikes back essays mm-hmm. but even then one of them is more general nice. um about what it brought to the franchise so uh, you know we've, we've we've now finished uh published our last jedi essay today we mm-hmm. published lou harry uh who writes for us mm-hmm. and is um part of the society of professional journalists mm-hmm. uh, he's an old school member too okay. he wrote do- about the donnie and marie star wars special in the 70s i, I saw that i didn't get a chance to read it because it's I, a like, doozy I have no idea it's like, uh, yeah. yeah. So so we have three more essays. We have um the plan is to publish a Star Wars holiday special essay. Nice. By a friend. Uh Allie has written a really um personal and uh interesting essay on Rise of Skywalker. Okay. But I think it'll give people more insight into what mm-hmm. we sort of see as the core of that movie. And uh I'm 
planning on writing uh, planning and writing a conclusive essay, but I, I might not get around to it. Sure. <laughs> Allie's essay is so strong that I almost don't want to put anything else after. Oh it, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, that, and that's such an interesting approach too, because like I said, like I'm someone who's kind of always felt like I've been on the outside of Star Wars. Yeah. And like, just it, when you have like, <laughs> I don't want to make the obvious like comparison, but when you have like, like the dark of like, yeah. like toxicity in the fandom, right? Versus like the light of like yeah. people talking about like sharing like their love of it in in personal like for things. sure yeah it's it's really it's a good balance if you will yeah yeah it's uh, turned out to be a really a project we're really proud of i mean we're proud of all of our group writing projects right. we do a horror one every year we've done nice. a marvel one that astoundingly well that was our mm-hmm. first one uh next year we're doing james bond and we're doing um uh vin diesel mm-hmm. but <laughs> i mean we'll see yeah. you know where those go but oh yeah. yeah like uh yeah you had mentioned that at the at the meeting and i was just like yeah i'm, I'm gonna want to get on on <laughs> yeah. some of that yeah i'll add you um, to the to the list when nice. i send them out nice um and yeah also uh before we get into like the episode and everything um it is worth mentioning as the listeners all know um <laughs> like i did find a way to con my way into the ifja so this was yeah. my first year no we're proud to have um, you yeah i'm excited to be a part of it and uh yeah it's it's been a very uh a very interesting year for me. Yeah. I, um, just in terms of just the emails and yeah, yeah, uh, there's a lot. I mean, I yeah. think, I think what we have finally done this year with our administrative meeting at the mm-hmm. meeting and the emails afterwards is we may have less meeting emails throughout the year, which mm-hmm. would be just dazzling. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause it, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not complaining or anything. No, no, I'm it still is. new. And yeah, but, but no, it's it's always uh, like it's 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 a good group of people. And yeah, it is. The meeting was amazing, um, which is another like, the reason why I'm uh, pleased to have you on the podcast because we just spent like six and a half hours last week. Yeah. hashing out the awards. It already feels like so. a lot longer than a weekend ago, but oh, I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's see. Did you want to talk a little bit about Rise of Skywalker sure. before we get into the awards? Sure. And Let me just um, yeah. super quick explain. Okay. Uh, explain. So you know, obviously, I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I was a little underwhelmed by Force Awakens when I first saw it. I was a little underwhelmed, very overwhelmed by Rogue One. Not mm-hmm. a fan of Rogue One. Um, liked Solo. Love Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and loved Rise of Skywalker the first time I saw it. Press mm-hmm. screening a couple days ago. I saw it again and loved it again. And I'm, I'm a little nice. surprised by the fact that it's, you know, we saw Last Jedi at a press screening, mm-hmm. and the moment the credits rolled, I thought two things. And I told them to Nick and Allie, which is that a that was the best Star Wars movie there Disney's ever going to make mm-hmm. because they'll never be brave enough to make a movie like that again. Yeah. And B J.J. Abrams at that time had already been announced as Episode Nine. Had he? I didn't. And I didn't he, remember he, the timeline. Yeah, I was already upset about that because mm-hmm. I, I didn't like Force Awakens. Right. Uh, at the time, and. um it's just like, okay, well, J.J. is going to come in, and he's going to do something that's not nearly that good. Right. And the question is whether he honors how good that movie was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the past two years, there's been this culture war, like you mentioned. There's a toxicity yeah. in the fandom. Mm-hmm. There's a toxicity in the critical culture, too, where The Rise of mm-hmm. Skywalker is the only Star Wars, new Star Wars movie that has given them something to, you know, something to latch onto intellectually, yeah. which is, is great. Right. Um, I think they overrate the amount in which... Rise of Sky or Last Jedi actually subverts the Star Wars story. Interesting. I think that the Last Jedi, the last third of that movie, is entirely about the power of the Star Wars stories and the mm-hmm. stories that Star Wars tells, and it's all a reversion to the norm. 
mm-hmm. from the story. And the story is, is about is about the struggle and the failures that take you away from the heroism that's at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Luke Skywalker picks up his lightsaber again. Ray accepts her role as a Jedi, and the Jedi are going to continue. The rebellion continues. Like it's all a reversion to the norm, mm-hmm. which I think people forget. So when you know Rise of Skywalker, I don't believe really shits on Last Jedi at all. Sure. And I think that the emotional arc for Daisy Ridley's Ray character mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I don't want to talk about spoilers here, right. but I think that people overrate the significance of the nobody angle from Last Jedi. Interesting. That's, I mean, that's exactly yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see yeah. the Star Wars series has never had a problem with the idea that somebody from nowhere could be something. Okay. Darth Vader isn't Luke's father until the end of Empire Strikes right. Back. Right. And... Yeah, Luke's dad was a Jedi, but there's nothing to indicate that Luke is going to become a Jedi because his father was a Jedi, aside from Luke's desire to become one because he has this, you know, he never met his father, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to, there's no idea that this blood relation is the reason he is powerful. Sure. And Last Jedi understands that, but the reason Last Jedi has the nobody twist is because it's the hardest thing that the Rey character can hear, because her journey is fundamentally one from loneliness Mm -hmm. to belonging. And that is her journey through all the movies, and it's where she, you know, she en- that's where she ends up at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Huh. So I don't actually think I think that the emotional and moral clarity that people go to Star Wars for is very much present in Rise of Skywalker. Huh. And okay. I, I'm going to have an essay that's a little more explicit, but sure. but loneliness to belonging is the journey of all the main characters in the sequel series, and. They find belonging in the wreckage of the original Star Wars. I mean, it's not that different. I mean, there's a reason why it's the last Our Star Wars article. Mm-hmm. Because in very many ways, Our Star Wars, the series we're writing, is about people finding belonging and friendship through Star Wars. Right. And very much the sequel trilogy is too. So, I mean, there are definitely problems with, with all of those movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Last Jedi with almost without any reservation. Right. Um, it definitely benefits from being the only movie they've made with a consistent writer-director mm-hmm. who was on the project from the start yeah. with time to work with. Because he right. started much... He, he got a whole year of production more than J.J. Abrams ever got. That's right, yeah. J.J. Abrams is also kind of a hack, so you have that problem, too. <laughs> sure. Like, without a doubt. Yeah. But, I, you know, Rise of Skywalker, I, I you know, is, is it flawed? Yeah, but, like, mm-hmm. it's Star Wars, and it's successful at being Star Wars. And I just think that, in a lot of ways, the culture war aspect of Last Jedi has caused a lot of people to overrate things Last Jedi does. Mm-hmm. But Last Jedi is first and foremost a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It's just completely a Star Wars movie. Every emotional beat is about revert is about it's like Ryan Johnson's knives out. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Chris Lloyd call it a uh, a, sa- a parody of a murder mystery, but it's not. It right. is a murder mystery. Yeah. It utilizes the murder mystery genre mm-hmm. to tell a different kind of story within that, that confine. But at the end, you still have Daniel Craig come back mm-hmm. and give his speech. Right. You have the denouement, and then you have the thematic button at the mm-hmm. very end. But it is still a murder mystery. It is using that to tell a different kind of story. And that's what Last right. Jedi is so good at doing. And Rise of Skywalker doesn't do that. Rise of Skywalker is a right. straightforward Star Wars adventure story. Mm-hmm. It uses fantasy movie elements in a way that only Ewoks 2, the Battle for Endor, has ever used sure. in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. With like a knife that lines up perfectly to a landscape. And, right. You know. Um, that, yeah. Yeah. I, I had so many snarky like, yeah. like quips that I could say, but I'm yeah. holding back on it because I don't want to... Oh, sure. I don't want to be that, well, that guy. Well, to me, it's like... Anymore. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and like to me, there's just... And, you know, there's a part of my life where I would have done that. But, mm-hmm. like, 
I grew up on people doing that with the prequels and me doing that with the prequels. Yeah. And at some point you just have a realization about cinema that like these are movies that impact people regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not you think they're good. And then yeah. you have to question like are they aesthetic choices that we make mm-hmm. fun of in film criticism sometimes? Right. Like is that us just making ourselves feel better? Like yeah. because like to me like you know that knife the knife is a good example because uh, I was talking to Nick Rogers and he, he mm-hmm. rolled his eyes at it too. Yeah. But you know, my whole thing was, yeah, Star Wars galactic treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. really, really. But yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's legit. Yeah. But like at the same time, like the whole time it was only reminding me of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Frankly, that. like, that's entirely like Lord of the Rings is one big fetch quest yeah. after another <laughs> and Peter Jackson's movies are blisteringly straightforward action mm-hmm. movies and and like you know they have an aesthetic and character and, a, and, and good moments but like I, I was surprised because you know, that's what it was making me feel like it was mm-hmm. thinking of, of, of those fantasy movies or like Willow Sure, I've like never Legend. seen Willow. Yeah, yeah, or like these '80s movies that were mm-hmm. very much came after Star Wars or mm-hmm. Ewoks to Battle for Endor, which right. has Ewoks storming a castle. Like, and it's <laughs> silly. It's silly, but like, sure. like, you know, really, the only reason there's a fetch quest in Rise of Skywalker is mm-hmm. to give these characters an opportunity to interact and banter and mm-hmm. and develop with each other before this big final moment where yeah. you know Ray becomes actualized mm-hmm. uh, in the face of her worst possible nightmare. Right. Because what's interesting too is that you know her worst nightmare in Last Jedi is that mm-hmm. she's a nobody. Right. Because she has spent her whole life wondering where her parents went alone, and she's wondering. And Kylo Ren, who is her other. Mm-hmm. comes up and tells her she's nobody and therefore he should define her right. and she rejects that and that is her big moment that's a big moment for her because so much of her journey is about defining herself right and of course in rise of skywalker you, she she gets she gets the answer she's always wanted mm-hmm. she knows who she is so that's the worst possible answer right at the worst possible time yeah. where she's now the last jedi her mentors are either dead or dying mm-hmm. and she has this legacy that she's now chosen to uphold mm-hmm. and she finds out that there is a legacy that someone else who has feels they have a right to her expects her to uphold mm-hmm. and ali goes into this um perfectly but but i really think that the ray stuff in that movie works really well um okay. on an emotional and and and, you know, as a thoughtful level that that maybe people will appreciate later once they're once they realize that it was never going to be the last Jedi again. Yeah, and, I, and but, I, that's what I'm kind of trying yeah. to reconcile with in my yeah. head. Um, and another thing that I'm and I don't know the, another thing that I'm kind of wrestling with is yeah. the idea, like the fact that okay, it was the merger the merger of Lucasfilm and Disney was like in 2012, yeah. I think, right. and they announced the trilogy, and it's yeah. like the whole just like the thing that i i can't <laughs> i can't like understand is how yeah. they didn't like uh, they didn't a make plan. a trilogy like they yeah. didn't plan out a trilogy like i just don't understand that and like yeah. i have friends who said that well that it's it's supposed to be a serialized episodic sure 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 and i can kind of get behind that yeah like the way that you're the way that you kind of categorized it as being about you know finding purpose yeah. and through like being lost and, and alone and, and you know those are you know the 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 lonesomeness is not so mm-hmm. much from the original star wars but yeah. i mean fundamentally the star wars series so so i, I understand mm-hmm. you know i read about how i had these movies just been the fan service that i read in the expanded universe mm-hmm. growing up all the novels and books and comics i would have been ecstatic okay um <laughs> 
but you know, as I've gotten older, I've read about the actual making of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I've watched enough shows and movies to understand that planning out a series ahead of time never ends well. Sure. Ever. Yeah. And, and, and ever. And, like, there's no series, like... Marvel, none of those movies are playing out ahead of time. Right. The best parts of Endgame were filmed in post production. That's true. Yeah. Like like yeah. like that's my thing. It's like and, and you know, I don't actually think Endgame is a very smart movie. I think Endgame sure. is a very dumb movie. Mm-hmm. I love Endgame, mm-hmm. but I think that the con- narrative contrivances in Endgame are so apparent mm-hmm. that, you know, it's satisfying to see Captain America wield Molnir right. and hit Thanos. But when you really think about it, they construct this entire paradigm for time travel that has mm-hmm. two sets of rules depending on what they want the movie to do sure either they're creating alternate universes or they're not right it depends and the entire thing is a contrivance to allow them to punch thanos in the face mm-hmm. because they had no <laughs> idea what to do with him after he won in the last movie and it's like you know i mean the comics <laughs> were smart enough that thanos became an anti-hero okay. of sorts and had a weird relationship had other villains that they were right. you know whatever they, they you know but you can't do that in endgame obviously but yeah but in any case i you know when they announced it originally jj was doing seven ryan mm-hmm. johnson was doing eight with jj helping yeah. and then and colin trevorrow he actually wasn't announced until okay. after jurassic world gotcha. so it was announced later but he was going to do a treatment from ryan johnson mm-hmm. and then that just didn't work and then they had Trevorrow attempt drafts, and he's a hack, too. So he yes. didn't come up with anything, and they <laughs> ran out of time. Okay. Um, I wish they hadn't. So they brought J.J. back as a pitch hitter. And mm-hmm. I think he did a good job. But, um, you know, as long as you have... I think I think a series just has to keep an eye on its themes. Mm-hmm. And I think that they managed to do that with Rise of Skywalker. I mean, you know, plots, plot is overrated to me. Mm-hmm. The idea that they're not setting up the villain for number three and number one doesn't mean anything to me, really. Um, It's just like, why do you want to know what's going to happen in the third movie and the first movie? Like, what's okay? So, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. So, so all (laughs) of the (laughs) all of the complaints I see about Rise of Skywalker is Mm -hmm. that the villain in the movie is not set up in part one, right? Okay. And most of the complaints are saying, well, that's because Ryan Johnson killed the villain in number two, right? Snoke. Sure. But literally, all Snoke is in that first. Force Awakens, which is by far the weakest of mm-hmm. the new trilogy. Um, maybe the weak, you know, Rogue One has a lot going for it mm-hmm. that's interesting, but but the Snoke in, in Force Awakens is literally just a Palpatine clone. Yeah. And the only story that they were leading to with him was Return of the Jedi. And yeah, we get dipshit Return of the Jedi with Rise of Skywalker yeah. too. Yep. But that's a big issue for me is that yeah. like, we have both, like, yeah. return in both Rise of Skywalker and The Last Jedi. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is that is bothersome to me, but it, it bothers me too. But I think that it is less dipshit Return of the Jedi sure. than Force <laughs> Awakens is dipshit A New Hope. To borrow oh, yeah. m- critic Matt Lynch's quotes, like mm-hmm. they're you know they're <laughs> the you know I, I like I actually think Rise of Skywalker is better than Return of the Jedi in a lot of ways. Okay, sure. I think Return of the Jedi is an incredibly compromised movie. Mm-hmm. There's a reason, but you know Star Wars <laughs> is always the last movie that has come out in any given Star Wars series at any given time. It's mm-hmm. always the one that everyone says is the worst. Sure. And I grew up at the time where there was only three movies. Mm-hmm. I had books that were bitching about Return of the Jedi as being the worst <laughs> of the movies, and like I still love that movie. I think Rise of Skywalker may be a better movie than that. Okay, I think that the Ray stuff is better than the Luke Palpatine Empress Darth Vader mm-hmm. stuff and Darth Vader's redemption is bullshit mm-hmm. and it's not a good plot arc it doesn't sure. make any sense it's completely out of nowhere mm-hmm. it's less motivated than anything in Rise of Skywalker but you know we accept it because that's the story and yeah. I think at some point Rise of Skywalker for kids growing up enjoying it will be the story and yeah. they won't think about the fact that like 
their expectations after Last Jedi were like for an episode nine that was metafictional. Like mm-hmm. this is never going to happen. Right. We'll never be bothered that it wasn't met. But huh. anyway, yeah, I have a whole essay about this. Yeah. <laughs> but and this you know. is all like a ton of good insight for me because I just yeah. was like, okay, they. Okay, the MacGuffin sure. is the most MacGuffin thing. Of course, yeah. of course. And just like, like, because I, I, for and some reason, I just can't like get past the surface level with Star Wars. Cause yeah, I can't connect to it. Well, Star Wars is an um, interesting series yeah. because there are two things that drive Star Wars that we we're talking about, which is the morals and the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's a moral. There's the moral universe of Star Wars, mm-hmm. which is what George Lucas set up, which is there's good and bad, right. and good and bad are contained in all people, and it's our decisions that allow us to be good or bad. Mm-hmm. And then there are these moral conundrums that the characters who are young people have to come up with, because they're all about growing up. They're about right. moral tales for people growing up, which is something the prequels lost sight of. Sure. Um, but I think they did well in Solo, and Rogue One even, and I think they did well in the sequels. Um, and then there's the aesthetics of Star Wars, which is what most people are really seeking, mm-hmm. um, which is why Rogue One is considered so popular. Yeah. I don't think Rogue One has a spiritual core to save its life. Yeah. But can, aside from yeah. Donnie Yen's character, mm-hmm. who's mostly just great because he's Donnie Yen. Right. right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that really, you know, uh, but, you know, if you get Star Wars, you get Star Wars. If you don't get Star Wars, you don't get Star Wars. It's right. like any other big cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Like, I, I think my biggest disconnect with it is just in terms of, like, science fiction and yeah. everything. Like, I well, it's fantasy. More, exactly. Yeah. And I want it to be science fiction. I it's, want it yeah, to it will never, never be, be that. No. Like, and I mean, like, I, I love, like, samurai films, which is yeah, yeah, of course. on Star Wars. But I just can't get, like, I, I like Star Trek science fiction. Yeah. Like, the more, like, Twilight Zone kind of stuff. Yeah. But, like, this is fantasy dressed up as science fiction. Oh, yeah. And that's not a problem. Yeah, Harlan Ellison was always yeah. shitting on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his, <laughs> he hated Star Wars for that reason. I like Star Trek, too. I like that. I like that, too. Mm-hmm. I just like both, mostly. Yeah. yeah. I, had a, I had a really stupid, like meme thing that i can't i can't say on here because it's yeah. a spoiler for rise of skywalker but just one thing that just bothered me about it was just something i can't say but i'll tell you off mike but yeah um yeah yeah uh any more on rise of skywalker no 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 we can we can move yeah. on to, okay. to to make sure that we're uh, able to record without if it gets busier in here oh yeah yeah so we are. I I kind of forgot to mention the whole yeah, point yeah, of this yeah. episode is of we're going to talk about the uh, IFJ um, winners for the awards and yeah. everything that we awarded last week um, at a very a very uh, five five hour long meeting. Yeah, that was. Yeah. it was, and it was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was great. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then I didn't mention this before because I'm terrible at hosting, um, doing this yeah. for six and a half years, but, um, uh, social media, like where yeah. are you online? Oh, sure. Midwestfilmjournal.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Twitter, uh, Midwest film journal, mm-hmm. um, IFJA Twitter. We, we actually, um, co-run with other members of the IFJA. We try to make sure everyone's work is getting broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Nick sent out the email today about yeah. that. Um, it's a great idea too. I'm excited. Yeah. About that. Um, I don't have any public, uh, personal personal social media i don't have any public personal social media but i do post using the midwest film journal facebook page right. which is sort of one of our main out you know i'm also on rotten tomatoes sure. evan dossie nice yep um and i'll have to pick your brain about rotten tomatoes because i have no idea if I, I would ever will, be able to look for that <laughs> i can answer your questions and they are okay confounding okay yeah <laughs> 
sure. But uh, um, that's yeah. an off-air conversation. Okay. Yeah, I remember that they that they like opened it up to podcasts and yeah. everything, and then like I looked at the things and I was like, oh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's the same kind of thing with like people will ask me like, oh, do you make money off the podcast and everything? And I'm like, or do you get sponsors? Yeah, and stuff? I'm like. Okay, yeah, like yeah. the average <laughs> podcast right. does not do that. No. But I am thankful for all eight of our Patreon supporters. And there you I go. love them to death. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the IFJA Awards. Yeah. Um, do you want to just go through the list from Best Film on Down? I was going to go bottom up. up. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so this, like, my inclusion in the IFJA kind of opened up <laughs> opened me up to seeing mon- many more movies yeah and just it's been just kind of incredible for me because um, I'm always trying to catch up and everything like I I uh, I just I try to see as much as I can and yeah like, A-list was just a big thing for me last year of I'm course like, okay I'm actually saving money on this and like I had seen <laughs> like last year uh, before the end of the I got A-list in June when it started so between June and December, I had used a list for tickets that would have otherwise cost me yeah. more than the amount of a list for an entire calendar year. For sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, but being able to get uh, get access to, to to these movies and everything for the IFJ has been great for me. Like it's great, yeah. Yeah, like I had posted. Um, like I was like, oh, you know, I'm at like 80 movies for the year like, yeah. of the year of release, and uh, I think I think I'll be able to hit 100. And it's like this is the most I've seen of the year of release, and by default, it's going to be like the yeah. most. Uh, so the top ten that I do. First year I did uh, IFJA was twenty seven. First full year was twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Saw two hundred and twenty two movies released in twenty seventeen. As part of the five hundred I watched all year. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about that. Your I, letterboxed and everything. Yeah. I looked and I don't know how you watch as well movies as you can. Um, especially having a kid like that's. It, I benefited from the fact that Luke was born this year, and when you have a small child, they can't watch what you're watching. And right. When when me and Allie are sitting there, and he's just you know rolling around on the ground, we sure. turn on a movie and watch it. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to bed at eight. I'll watch a movie afterwards. I've slowed down a lot in the latter part of this year, mm-hmm. um, but I you know I've only hit a hundred. I've only hit a hundred and. 55 for the year release i've gone down every year because 200 222 is too much yeah i watch so much garbage just Mm -hmm. abject garbage but as ifja members (laughs) and as with midwest film journal we've made a lot of inroads with a lot of these distributors who send us screening links oh yeah so i mean i watch vod stuff i watch Mm -hmm. indie stuff like those all count to me um oh yeah and you know i don't know i just watch a lot of movies like Mm -hmm. Me and Allie are both film critics. We both mm-hmm. love movies, so we almost always have a movie on. Nice. We're watching it, and you know, as long as I watch ninety percent of the movie, mm-hmm. it's I mean, f- with full attention, and then ten right. percent, you know, of it is scattered throughout the movie, like stopping mm-hmm. my son from doing something stupid. Sure. I mean, I I consider it watched. Like, mm-hmm. so, um, and plus, you know, Nick Rogers and I have been great friends for a long time yeah. now, and we host the Fuck Yeah Film Fest. Oh, sorry, oh, the no. FYFF. We've hosted that mm-hmm. for. Almost five years now, almost four years now. Yeah. Uh, we're almost on FYFF five, uh, which is a three-day curated film festival event oh, uh, that wow. we post a lot on film festival with with me, with Nick and I, and a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, you know, we have a summer one that's always has a theme. We have a, a, th- a horror one in October, which was originally made to help with my No Sleep October column, which is now mm-hmm. Democratic column. And we have a spring one. Um, we're doing Watch Loud to test out his new theater system. This oh, spring, nice. we're watching Top Gun. We're watching movies themed around either Top Gun or Rip Off to Top Gun, that sure. kind of thing. So I watch a lot of movies. Like, I'll have weekends wow. where I'll watch 15 or 20 movies in a weekend. Oh, my God. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, the most we ever did was 20 in three days, which is almost too much. That was our Island of Misfit Joys, mm-hmm. which started with Hudson Hawk okay. and uh, ended in Poseidon, the oh, remake wow. of Poseidon. Oh, in the okay. process of that, we watched Color of Night, which is a Bruce Willis erotic thriller. We watched, um, <laughs> God, we watched Gaudy at the mm-hmm. time. Oh, my we, God. We, someone had a copy of that. We watched uh, Freddy Got Fingered, which is mind-blowing. <laughs> loved that movie. Uh, oh, wow. I, we watched a lot of weird, you know, we watched a lot of strange, you know, cult films. Sure. This year, because of Luke, we had a one day and a night, a Friday night into a, through a Saturday. We, we, uh, I can't remember the equation, but because it was the fourth, it okay. was an equation using only fours that totaled up to 93 minutes or less. And every movie we watched was 93 minutes or less, okay. so that we could fit more movies into a shorter time frame. Sure. I don't remember wow. what this year's theme is, but I don't know that That's... we've done it yet. That anyway, it's pretty interesting. So that's how I watch that many movies. I mean, I'll, nice. I'll go home. I'll probably watch something tonight. Yeah. Um, cause it's a Friday, but mm-hmm. I, it's probably just gonna be some shitty VOD movie. I'm so sure. sorry for cursing. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be some <laughs> shitty VOD movie coming out in January. So I can bank a review for January. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah, so our awards. Yeah, yeah so we should talk about awards, those. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I totally spaced on asking you how you got into, like, film journalism. Oh, so, I mean, I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean I've, I've liked reviewing movies for a long time. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get your start? Like, what was the first review you wrote, just in general? Uh, I, I wrote for the like, Clay Junior High and Carmel. I wrote, okay. I wrote a, ma- a review of Matrix Three that I've been trying to find a copy of for a oh, long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote that. I didn't follow. It's funny because I was, I would follow and, and critique Sam Watermeyer's film criticism in high school because oh, he was a year younger than me and he did film criticism for the highlight. Nice. Then I went to college and. Um, it's Sam and I have been friends for a very long time, very mm-hmm. close friends. He was my best man at my wedding. Oh, nice! And um, I I knew him. I recognized him at a lib- at the library in the DVD section. I was away at school already, and I told him to rent a racer head. And then I commented on a review of his I disagreed with about The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And then we became friends via email. And then we just developed a very close friendship, especially throughout college and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was always doing film criticism and writing for the Film Yap. Yeah. I became friends with the Film Yap guys that way. Did some columns with him, um, with the Film Yap. And then eventually I... Um, started reviewing I reviewed Dread 3D in 2012 okay. it was my first full review for the film app and then from there I just became very pro- prolific yeah. yeah four years later got into the IFJA and then you know now nice. it's where we are Oh yeah, and I am a big yeah. admirer of your writing. Thank also. you. Yeah, like I yeah. just read your uh, as research. Yeah, I read your Last Jedi review. Oh yeah, from a couple years ago. There, like it. I agree with about ninety percent. Like, Thank like you. Well, that's good. Well yeah. Good. Uh, it was well articulated. Can't even remember what I wrote about it, but I know I was very happy with it. So, oh yeah, yeah, it was uh, like, and you could really tell the passion through it. So yeah, it was, it was really good. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, so yeah, let's run down yeah. these, these things. So um, these things, these awards yeah. that we awarded <laughs> as part of the IFJA. 
Um, so yeah, let's get us kicked yeah. off with the Hoosier Award. Yeah, that was for John- Jason Keller's script for uh, Ford versus Ferrari. How did you feel about Ford versus Ferrari? I thought it was <laughs> it was like the quintessential like dad movie. Yeah, um, and I kind of loved it for that. And yeah, I, I really being someone who grew up in Speedway, I, I like I don't care about racing sure. or anything, but like I I love the way that James Mangold like has that visual flair yeah. to it and I mean just like the the set pieces were incredible yeah. and the acting I thought was really good yeah I really liked it too yeah there's oh wow, that's not good huh. um, yeah well yeah, that's anyway. not good yeah, yeah I liked it I like Jason Keller's script mm-hmm. I know he's one of the co-writers mm-hmm. um I liked Ford vs. Ferrari. It was a, mm-hmm. a, a straightforward movie of its type yeah. with some interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, all the... It's, I, you know, I don't feel like a lot of movies these days have the same classical sense of, of working men dealing with corporations that screw right. them. A lot of times, the more libertarian edge of a lot of these movies tends to be the government screwing people. Mm-hmm. So I was appreciated the fact that it pretty accurately depicted... You know the Ford company screwing these guys who right. did all the work for them. Like, yeah, I, it, that's what. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but they were still artists. They mm-hmm. still did their work. They still oh, yeah. did an amazing job. I mean, you know, you can read about their real lives however you want. And like, Carol Shelby was like a real piece of shit. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but like, I, I liked the movie, and Christian Bale was was really good. Yeah, I will say that I've like in since seeing it, like driving around, yeah. I've been trying to hit seven thousand RPM, and like, yeah. it's just not. No, no, it's not. Yeah, so, listening yeah. to the soundtrack of that movie doesn't do me any favors okay. in driving. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was really, really, uh, really solid. It's not going to make my top ten or anything like no, that. No. It's just going to be published in a couple weeks at this point. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but it was. It was still really good for for the type of movie it was. It, it is it yeah. excelled at it. Yeah, definitely. With the Hoosier Award every year, it's very mm-hmm. hard sometimes to find a lot of Hoosiers involved in filmmaking. Right. <laughs> so it's nice when you have something like this where like he wrote and contributed to a, v- a very good script for mm-hmm. a good movie mm-hmm. like he has really you know indianapolis connections yeah. and it's it's because some years it's just really you know it's it's harder to find mm-hmm. you know any hype but of course we probably are always not you know right not always you know looking as best we you know whatever original sure. vision award let's yeah. i don't want to get too original in the weeds vision. on hoosier award <laughs> um yeah robert eggers for the lighthouse and runner-up was for parasite yep yeah and both movies that i really i actually saw a double screening of that yeah um and that was that made for a fun night after yeah it's like because they're both very uh very just out there movies um yeah but the lighthouse, I need to watch again. But man, just <laughs> I watched it twice. I, yeah. <laughs> I I can't get enough of that movie. It's just the acting alone is just so phenomenal. Yeah, like, it's, it's just it's incredible. Um, and especially with his his ability to bring in like just that authentic dialogue and have it be oh for sure. It's kind of like it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Sorkin. Sorkin, yeah, a yeah, yeah, bit, yeah. But but <laughs> old sea people and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, the main reason I want to see it again is because I want to try to perfect the Will, uh, Willem Dafoe accent, but which I yeah. can't. Well, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I wish. I, I, I can't even remember half his dialogue. I, I, it's that's my problem, real too. fun to watch it with subtitles. Oh, Those yeah. screeners are great because yeah. you can really tell what he's saying. Like, um, yep. Do you want to just go through the talk about the winners or do you want to talk about the runners-up, uh, too? We can do runners-up, too. Yeah. yeah, what do yeah. you think of Parasite? I mean, there's not much to say about Parasite mm-hmm. except that I think it's you know brilliant and... Mm-hmm every award we gave it it deserves almost to the point where it's ridiculous that it i mean it's 
unfair. Like, well, yeah. real quick, we can just run through the awards Parasite oh, won yeah, yeah. really quick. Because totally. that's easier than going through Safe Space. So it won Original right. Vision, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, and it won Director mm-hmm. um, for Bong Joon-ho, which... Yeah. Not to skip too much, sure. but I wanted Cillian Scamma to win for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Right. Because that movie needs more attention, and that movie is entirely her mm-hmm. directing that movie and creating the intimacy between those two women. The, 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 the quietness yeah. of that movie is all her. Oh, yeah. But it's also undeniable that Parasite's like the best movie of the year. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those hard it's situations. A yeah. It's, and, it's really tough. And then Parasite was also our runner up for best film. Right. I mean, and. It was best foreign film for us, too. Mm-hmm. So, and as the person who tallied the best film votes, it was pretty close to best film. Yeah. I mean, it was relatively close, because Marriage Story, far and away, you know, mm-hmm. spoilers, one right. best film, <laughs> far and away. But the way we tabulate with ranked choice voting, mm-hmm. um, there's very rarely a situation where we have a runaway winner like okay. Marriage Story. Sure. Um, but it's all, in, it's, it's all in how people make their choices. And mm-hmm. so the fact that Parasite was both foreign and that high up in best film... Really rare, yeah. Because almost always right. our members, I mean, you know, most members of most academies vote for you know the best film and the best foreign film as two separate things. Sure, and, and we really oh, discouraged yeah. that this year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It and it's it's a movie that has stuck with me for oh yeah like, months since I've seen it, and I, I'm anxious to see it again. I just haven't had time. Oh yeah, but, it's oh. I, yeah, it's. Uh, the the level of, of thought and detail mm-hmm. into both the satire yeah. and just the story yeah. settings. The it's, of it. Just, oh yeah, it's yeah. it's phenomenal. Oh yeah. Um, I do want to break for just a second. Yeah. And mention that you really disliked 1917. I did. I did. I really disliked 1917. Um, mm. I mean, there's not much I can. I I think Nick Rogers is writing the review for our site, okay. but. Do you want me to explain why I like this? Uh, well, just briefly, like because I, I, I like I, I know your complaints with it, yeah. and I totally get those. Yeah. Complaints. Um, do you want to just briefly like um, shred this movie to pieces? <laughs> I have no desire to necessarily shred it. I understand sure, why people sure. like it. I expect a lot more from movies about war mm-hmm. than feeling like a Call of Duty cutscene. Yeah. And they're, they're, I expect more from Deacons yeah. than mm-hmm. what most of that movie is, which is a lot of clear CGI backdrops. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the CGI in certain sequences was laughably bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I just didn't... It, I don't necessarily like one-take movies anyway. Right. I think they always feel like a mm-hmm. trick because they clearly aren't. Right. And I think that, you know, cinema as an, as an art... Mm-hmm. is designed in such a way that you are able to cut to create mm-hmm. and and create emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're limiting yourself to a single trick, which mm-hmm. is following people from behind, then zooming around, they see their face, then zooming around, like, it's a trick. And it's yeah. not an emotional trick. Sure. And it's not something that's done to create better immer- at least for myself better immersion of the situation particularly if you know anything about world war one mm. and the entire story is constructed to avoid everything that was like notable about world war one right. which is that these <laughs> men were trapped for months at a time in these shit filled trenches yeah and because the machinery had progressed <laughs> to the point where they were mowing each other down mercilessly mm-hmm. like based on the colonial wars that their com- their countries had engaged in so like the fact that you want to go to world war one and make a story that is entirely about this kid getting out of the trench and running mm-hmm. through burned out cities alone. Like, like it's like, and you're not saying anything about world war one. Right. 
That was like, my one know. thing with it was that it wasn't. It was so sparse with characterization. Yeah, like there's no, there's almost nothing. Oh no! In, by the it, way, of that literally the guy's yeah. only characterization is at the very end of the movie. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. and it doesn't land because mm-hmm. it's irrelevant to yeah. his. You know, I will say there's one. You just scene, assume. Yeah, there's yeah. one scene where one of them is in the truck and yeah. looking kind of just out in the distance, and like there's there's a little bit of just kind of a subtle like. Uh, maybe not so subtle since it's right on him. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, there's like a little bit of a, you know, he's reflecting on it. And I, I sure. like that, that it's not like saying just outright like, oh, I'm feeling this way. Yeah. But I get it that like there's not enough of that yeah. to really lift up the story. Yeah. It didn't. It yeah. just, I was, that's one movie I was glad didn't make our top ten. Yeah. <laughs> there are oh, very, <laughs> very few movies this year that I was glad didn't make the top yeah. ten. That and Waves. Okay. So like, I can understand the appeal of mm-hmm. Waves, too. I thought that was also garishly done. I, mm-hmm. This year has been a real strange year for me because yeah. it's been the year where after doing this for, you know, really hardcore watching every movie that's mm-hmm. come out in a year, um, for four years running now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, right. I'm pretty much over movies where they don't offer anything insightful outside of an aesthetic. Okay. So yeah. So like Midsummer did nothing for me. I didn't think Midsummer. Oh. I didn't think Midsummer did anything. I don't mm-hmm. think it did anything insightful about relationships. Mm-hmm. I think it basically just, you know, was an obs- it was like an obsessive attempt at creating this daylight horror aesthetic mm-hmm. with like a toxic relationship but the mm-hmm. characters weren't particularly like they weren't particularly interesting mm-hmm. Florence Pugh carries her character because she's an incredible actress yeah um, like that did nothing for mm-hmm. me Uncut Gems more or less did nothing for me I can mm-hmm. appreciate Uncut Gems more than most of them yeah and Sandler's great yeah but the Safdie brothers have never like Good Time I really like Good Time I don't love Good Time sure. I appreciate it it's all an aesthetic trick I actually thought mm-hmm. Uncut Gems was a step down from Good Time for them interesting I never saw um, Good Time but it's uh, it's cool. It's on yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah, I'm planning um, on it. Uh, Benson has pestering me about it. Yeah, it's, pestering, but it's, he's, he's very anxious for me to see it. It's very cool. Um, and then like waves, like mm-hmm. sorry, waves. It's yeah. um, yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I say waves, that having I you know, liked, I don't know. Yeah, I, I liked waves, and I could see it being kind of overindulgent in terms yeah. of just like the like the aesthetic of it. But I, I really latched on to the to the uh, characterization and then the kind of storytelling of this yeah. again kind of toxic kind of relationships and how yeah. each character kind of reacts to their partner being in in a distressful thing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know why that didn't work for me, yeah. but to each their own. I don't know. I say this all having loved the lighthouse, which is all. <laughs> a, but I think right. to, to me the lighthouse was the lighthouse was immersed in like this this like sense of. I mean, these two men and mm-hmm. a job they hate, yeah, interacting with each other, and to me, it said a lot about mm-hmm. work, and yeah. it said also a lot about like mythology and how like a lot of mythological archetypes. I mean, you start seeing like you, people just get bored and making shit up, right. and that is almost the basis of mythology. Mm-hmm. People are bored; they're contextualizing their environment, yeah. and that is exactly what's happening to Robert Pattinson's character in that movie. Hmm. And it's so, it feels That's so yeah. it feels so very full in that way to me. But mm-hmm. but anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Parasite's good. <laughs> Parasite's good. Um, let's run down a few of the smaller categories really yes. quickly because totally. um, I only have a little bit to say. So like mm-hmm. Breakout of the Year, Olivia Wilde for Booksmart. Yeah, which let's let's talk because I think Booksmart was, um, gosh, it won. Uh, it's also a best film finalist. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I I loved Booksmart, but yeah, I don't it's think really it's good. gonna make my top ten. 
Me too. But yeah, it's yeah. A, but it's one of those years where I have like such a solid top oh, ten yeah. that I can't I can't really like I want to make a top I'm doing 20. a top twenty five. <laughs> See, I I should probably do yeah. that, but I don't know. Give it um, a couple years and Yeah, oh I'm sure. <laughs> give it a couple years. Once you watch one hundred and fifty movies, you have yep. no you literally have no choice. Yeah. Oh, um yeah. But Booksmart, my main thing about Booksmart is that on one hand, like on paper, and I said this at the meeting, on paper it is it is super bad yeah. with, with girls. Sure. Like it is like that. But I just love the way that those characters like are like connected like yeah Kenny Fieldstein and um, um, oh my god uh, Caitlin Beaver yeah um, are like they're they're really great and their bond is really strong and I love that the conflict isn't them them yeah yeah isn't them it's it's out external forces yeah they're you know they're wanting yeah. to spare each other's feelings but yeah anyway yeah, i really loved great. it too and then roman griffin davis from jojo rabbit was the runner-up yeah. uh, obviously he's a great performance in jojo mm-hmm. which um didn't make our top 10 very right. almost did okay every year every year we have a three-way tie for what will be number 10 on top 10 is that a, is that a regular jo- thing it's a regular okay. thing due to the due to ranked choice voting there's almost mm-hmm. always a tie there and some other places okay. um almost always a movie gets left out last year the movie that got left out with green book oh. um in favor of ballad of buster scruggs this year jojo okay. got left out in favor of knives out mm-hmm. i believe um and I, you know it just it is what it is yeah if, yeah. if i had been a member <laughs> yeah. last year I would have just ripped into Green Book. I you would not have been alone. That okay, was a good. big. That was a big. Uh, that was a, yeah. Members were not um, having Green Book for the yeah. most part. There are a couple who really liked it, mm-hmm. um, but it did get ripped apart to yeah. Chris Lloyd's chagrin. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, um, yeah, it. I just. I. I didn't like Green Book yeah, much at all. I, that I was, was so just. Yeah, Ugh, I was not a fan. Not no, and most of us neither. Uh, right. Best musical score <laughs> is Michael Abel's for us, which is a I'm great so score. That, that, yeah, that we got that. And yeah, I think that was my my top vote for that yeah. category too. And then Cavern of Antimatter for In Fabric was <laughs> right. my top vote. Mm-hmm. Um, best ensemble action is Knives Out and Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. If there's even much else you can say besides like clearly yeah. they have the best oh, ensembles yeah. of the year. Like. Oh, yeah. Um, um, some of the and some of the nominees for best yeah. ensemble acting were kind of like there were there were good nominees, but there were others where I'm like, like I was struggling to like yeah. really like see it as like an ensemble. That's kind of how it is every year for ensemble yeah. acting because sometimes an ensemble can be as small as three people who sure. all share like, but you know. It, that's why we have our nominations process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we can make sure that everything feel, you know, that have support can get into the running. But mm. I, I always thought Knives Out would kind of take that. Oh, you know? yeah. That was, that was kind of yeah. a, kind of a given. And look, <sighs> I'm, I'm not necessarily surprised, but I'm pleased that Little Women yeah. got in there because, I mean, that's, that's a, a great that's ensemble. A, oh, it's yeah. incredible. Again, okay. Florence Pugh. Yeah. Um, but also, it's like kind of a late comer to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, for it's, sure. It's really good to see that. That's the beauty of having screeners and, yes. and us being aggressive about having them show us things that we oh, actually yeah. get these movies. Like past years, we've had things that just you know we didn't have a we didn't have a nominations announcement. We oh, just wow. put up a list on the website and kept updating it throughout the year up until the oh, meeting, which huh. let studios be less uh, getting our stuff out. Mm. But you know that's something that. Um, me and Nick Rogers especially lobbied very hard for was the nominations announcement, which went really well for us because that's twice, you know, twice the attention for, even though, you know, we as a critics group have the longest nomination announcement. Sure. Half as long as it used to be. And it's still the longest. Um, In terms of nominees. In terms of nominees. It used to be anything that was nominated 
period got oh, wow. put up there that's why we we, wow. we got the new system like, we could go shorter yeah. but like to me it's I mean it's funny we ended up almost exact same winners to Seattle critics and oh, they have less nominees but we were one of the only organizations that has a meeting that lasts five hours in December where we yep. hash these things out we have fun doing it mm-hmm. and that's the most special oh, yeah. thing about the IFJA oh absolutely uh, and, and like yeah my first year in it it's been it like it was great it was yeah. like like you said it's like the high point of the year it is and for, i can definitely see that being uh yeah being the high point for me and um, you know it's great yeah. to have that many nominees that you're oh, yeah. really discussing and it spreads yeah. the votes out and and i know that like i i know we caught some grief about, about, yeah. about it like i'm sure that it always happens like that yeah but it's also like okay these are the lists of not like nominees like sure, right. there are like 20 25 yeah. best picture nominees but also at the end of the day we award like there are right. I, did a, I did a letterbox list i think yeah in terms of titles like there are 24 to 25 winners right including runners up and it's like like what i mean what is the harm in actually showing like okay these are like, right conclusively not conclusively but like by these our the count ones. like these are the right. ones that deserve like attention right and my thing is with short list nominations of five or six it doesn't capture the the diversity and the breadth of the good movies that came out in a year and like past years this year you know i'm really proud of our winners mm-hmm. we're fairly conventional with other critics groups just mm-hmm. by happenstance sure um Last year, Hit You Give won Best mm-hmm. Picture for us. Nobody else rewarded that movie Best Picture. Right. But it's a consensus Best Picture for our group. Mm-hmm. There are other movies that other people like more. Sure. Paddington 2 won number two, mm-hmm. obviously. As what Let I've me tell you a story about very, Paddington 2. Let me tell you a story you. about Paddington 2. Paddington 2 and Hit You Give were tied, and I gave Hit You Give the winning vote. Oh, so I said that's what Paddington would do. In any case... <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> In any case, uh, I, Richard Probst cracked his sh- cracked up. Oh, that's but, um, great. But yeah, no, it's but you know, no other group did that. And we had mm-hmm. Rebecca Hallwin in 2016. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, yeah. uh, it's it, it's not it's okay. You don't yeah. have to. Uh, God. Anyway, that was a great best actress choice that everyone sort of ignored. And mm-hmm. you know, this year maybe we didn't go quite as out of the way sure. as other years, but. You know, having those options. Mm-hmm. I mean, the day of. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in having a meeting if we're not hashing things out. Exactly. Otherwise, and, you could just vote. Yeah. yeah. And what's the point of like highlighting the the best of the year and everything if we're highlighting the same five to ten right. movies that every other critic exactly. is paying attention to? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So let's um, so move yeah, anyway, quickly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. Best vocal motion capture went to the three guys who did the heads for Ghidorah and King of the Monsters. Yeah. I, I'm glad that that one. Which I, was, I was swayed by yeah. the conversation in the meeting for it, that. Like, it's really weird. It's mm-hmm. crazy to watch them yeah. portray a three-headed beast with three different personalities that are all the same. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really cool motion capture. Sure. Like, Rosa Salazar is great, but her performance yeah. is a human performance with CGI on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, really quick, let's just run through some of the winners. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm not in a rush, but I oh, do no, no. need to go to sleep so I can wake up at five with the baby. Oh, um, right. <laughs> so, so let's just run through the actors really quick. Gotcha. We have Willem Dafoe for supporting actor for mm-hmm. Lighthouse and Brad Pitt for once a time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's a little disappointed. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not as negative on Brad Pitt as mm-hmm. other members were. Sure. But there were some other cool supporting actors like Christian Bale. Yeah. But like I, I definitely... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm, I love Alan Alda. Yeah, and he like, was great. Yeah, and also, like, his appearance in, in Marriage Story, like, I wasn't expecting. I didn't know yeah. he was in the movie. Yeah. Until we saw it. At, and at Ray Harvard. Liotta are both yeah. like, what? Okay. <laughs> um, best actor is, uh, was a one-vote separate Adam yep. Driver for Marriage Story and Adam mm-hmm. Sandler for Uncut Gems, winner yep. and runner-up. Nuts. I, I'll admit, I, I am surprised. I thought yep. Sandler was going to take it. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of did, too. I think yeah. my based not solely but just uh kind of the the main reason that i went for adam driver was yeah. just that apartment scene that's it's, been, it is yeah, yeah it is tremendous it's incredible and then like the internet has had its shittiness yeah with it, yeah of course it's still like one of the mo- like i gave this it, anecdote when we reviewed it on the podcast but like i was watching it for the second time at work yeah uh and i'm yeah. like sitting there and i was like i was shaking at that scene like i was just like i was like the emotion was just yeah so, it, like, that movie visceral. that movie hit me really hard too just yeah and he's a big part of it um mm-hmm. supporting actress is jennifer lopez mm-hmm. for hustlers uh not really a surprise to me given our group's reaction to hustlers yeah and i was an yeah. outlier on hustlers i yeah i just didn't get it that's yeah. that's fine yeah yeah yep. um but taylor russell for waves which mm-hmm. um she's she was really good uh, yeah. best actress lupita nyong'o for mm-hmm. us and scarlett johansson for marriage story yeah and i'm so glad yeah. lupita nyong'o was like so yeah. present in the conversation oh yeah too, because that's such an early movie and yeah I mean that performance was incredible. Oh yeah, we. I mean, the nice thing about IFJ is we try. We we often give things to early year movies nice. in the end, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah. Adapted screenplay, yes. uh, third IFJ award for Greta Gerwig, who is the oh, sole, wow. who is the, who has the most IFJ awards per for a single person. Oh, she dear. won for um, screenplay for. Ladybird, Lady and I believe she won director for Ladybird, and okay. she won for her performance in a movie a few years back. That for whatever reason, like you know, yeah. it's late on a Friday. Francis, I, can't, uh, I, don't I don't remember. It was back in like 2014 or 15. Okay. It was her big um, Mistress America, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't a member yet, so oh, gotcha. I don't know. But um, and then we had the writing team for um, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood for mm-hmm. adapted. Um, I, I was, I mean, I was going for hustlers there, but yeah. I, I loved beautiful day in the neighborhood. So I, you know, I can't argue. Uh, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. I appreciated yeah. what they did with it. it and I yeah. the argument for it being for best adapted. I was like, I was, I'm fine with, with that. Yeah. 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 Um, um, original is Noah Baumbach for marriage story oh, and yes. Robert Eggers and Max Eggers for the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Really like yeah. the way that that shook out. Me too. Um, yeah. Um, documentary? Yeah, For Sama, that, which yeah. very much... Yeah, you're a huge, huge yeah, fan of. Very big proponent of For Sama. Apollo 11 did almost nothing for me. Yeah. So there were actually so many good documentaries this year. I was disappointed Apollo 11 took runner-up. Oh, really? For Sama is by far <laughs> my favorite, but One Child mm-hmm. Nation, I thought, would really take it. Everyone at the meeting was really up on yeah. One Child Nation. Um, it was it was, it was a really good category. Yeah, it was. Um, I was a big proponent for Apollo 11 just because just I am so enamored with just the space program yeah and i loved and i i brought this up at the meeting but like honeyland was nominated yeah and apollo 11 was also nominated and both of those have this kind of well like honeyland has this like cinema verite kind of thing yeah and like i just couldn't connect to it sure for the same reason like i like that's the same reason i could connect to apollo right. 11 so it, I, it was I, an interesting I, year i would have been my comments it's not that apollo 11 didn't do anything for me sure. it's just that compared to the other the rest of the field mm. um 
I was so excited yeah. by the other movies, but yeah, for Sama, um, this incredible Just documentary. In uh, the, I was a little resentful yeah. when uh, a certain member was saying that it didn't take effort to make. Oh, I yeah. was like, are you kidding? Like yeah. she's filming these things in a war zone. Yeah. Um, there was like, like a, a deadline article today. That yeah, was like, I thought I might die. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like, no, and you, clearly yeah. you see her yeah. friends die in that yeah. movie. Like just the the access of it and the candor of it. Yeah. Is just, just really it is uh, emotionally just like tense like, yeah because i was like like i was thinking like i'm i gonna like be seeing right people die right and whew, um, it, was, it was it was intense so yeah i i love for um best foreign language is parasite and portrait of lady on fire's mm-hmm. runner-up that was very clear that both of them would be there they're both yeah. the best film uh finalist. parasite being the second portrait being a finalist mm-hmm. um they are our director winners too. Yep. As we as we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, two of the best movies of the year, like hands oh, down. Yeah. Like oh, absolutely. Like neon distributors have been three years in a row have given us some of the mm-hmm. most interesting and insightful releases. Oh yeah. Especially foreign films I was re- in the United States. So funny story. Yeah. We were getting uh, like in in the emails and everything. Like you know we had yeah. like a spreadsheet and everything. And then like I think I had mentioned to you and like on like Facebook or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I know I'm getting a package today or something. And like. And like you said, like oh, it's neon, and I was yeah. like, oh, what's that? And yeah. Like I looked it up, and it was like, like there's a there's a movie called Neon. Yeah. It's coming out in like 2020. I don't know, like okay, it, yeah. It's like something about like a bunch of people trying to break into the adult film, and, oh. and I'm like, no, uh, what? <laughs> um, yeah. And then I was surprised because I was like, oh, okay, this oh, is no. not what that is. They send us the nicest package every oh, it's year. Incredible. It's a, it's a great. I, yeah. It's the only screener that you know we're supposed to destroy the screeners, right? I destroy all my screeners. Of course, of course. Oh, you know. I don't have a binder of them or (laughs) anything. But, um... Uh, yeah, the neon screener is like literally made to be put on a shelf. Oh, yeah. It is it's gorgeous. Okay. Yeah, it is so it, cool. It drives me a little bit crazy just because the way that I have it set up when yeah. I'm screening, like doing the screeners, is I, I bought like a little like bin. Oh, yeah. And I have the ones that I watched in and then the ones that I haven't watched on top. Yeah. And so like, okay, if I watch Parasite, it's like, okay. Or like watch something else. It's like, oh, okay, well, the neon one doesn't go in the bu- doesn't yeah. go into the bin yet. Like it's driving me a little bit crazy. I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so uh, real quick, yeah, really an- impressed. Um, yeah, animated feature. Do not care about either winner. Oh my god. Um, no. Yeah. I thought Frozen Two was above average. Mm-hmm. I thought I really liked it. I could tell my wife wanted to just go off on the fifty-year-old, over fifty-year-old men who didn't understand it. Sure. She didn't because it wasn't worth it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I you know I gave gave it up for Broly because I, I had a real experience with that movie um, yeah. more so than anything else but I could you know I have nothing to say about animated yeah. this yep. year uh, the winners were did we say uh, oh sorry uh, How to no, Train Your Dragon good. 3 and I lost my body yep you know just and like I lost my body like it was being it was being pushed pretty hard and yeah and like I watched it and I, I was just like nothing for me it's yeah it's interesting yeah I'll, I'll give it that but just no I, yeah no and like like I know in past years, like when gauging like animated films and everything, just for our year in review episodes and everything, I like it's always for me. Yeah. It's always like okay, well Pixar, like what yeah. do they have, and like they've had some, some like you know less than good ones. Like I don't know of if course. I'll ever see. Huh? Sorry, no, oh, keep uh, going. I, just, I said I of course. Said I just agreed. No, no, no. Oh well, yeah, yeah but, but cars too. Yeah, um, and then like the good dinosaur, like I. Yeah. Hardly even a movie to me. It's just weird. Yeah, their their new onward movie looks terrible. You think so? I I don't know. I think I'm just smitten by Pratt and that's uh, fine. Holland. 
I, I, I'm, I may be pleasantly surprised. I just yeah. am surprised, but um, but like I don't. I'm just excited that they're doing original movies. Again. Yeah, that that is yeah, yeah definitely. And as much as I love Toy Story, just like Toy Story four, just didn't didn't rate for me. Me neither. Yeah, that was really disappointing. Yeah. I, I thought it would be winner or runner up this year just by mm-hmm. default almost. Yeah. And but it didn't do much for me. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I was really, you know, Broly, the Dragon Ball Z movie. Right. I thought was a lot of fun. Um yeah. Which I could I, you totally know. see, but I only got thirty minutes in. Oh, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't expect most people to mm-hmm. you know, I saw it in the big screen with a bunch of fans of Dragon oh, Ball Z nice. on a cold day in January mm-hmm. last year. Wow. It was a really unique experience. Sure. I watched it again and I really enjoy it, but mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. I wouldn't say that it's the best animated movie of yeah. the year. I would just say that oh, it was yeah. the one that gave me the most right experience. And I, and I think with me, yeah. like, to, I think Toy Story four. I think I, yeah. I, I, I voted for it relatively high on the on the thing just because. I mean, I didn't yeah. connect with it, but that's like the most I could connect with any of them. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was a rough year for animated. It, yeah, you know, I think in the IFJA, there's something. You know, now that we've. I'll talk to you about this off. It's not. Sure, sure. It's not even an off thing. I just need. I think we should wrap it up somewhat oh, quickly, yeah, totally. just so I can get home and yep. get to bed, or watch something and get to bed right. and, and keep my my night going. Mm-hmm. Um, although this is really fun, we should oh, do it again oh, for absolutely. sure. I would. Oh, yeah. I would love to come on again. Oh, yeah. um, nice save. But <laughs> <laughs> let's let's run through. It's, yep. it's actually okay. So here's something I want to say about best film for this okay. year. There's and how the, do we do best film? Just for okay. The so best film is well, I can't. You know, we we don't go through our. Vote voting process too right, publicly right. um but we do have a ranked choice voting system mm-hmm. um we have 20 members 20 voting members should all vote um and you know at the end you know at the end we we list our our uh top choice our second top choice and then we list alphabetically the next eight right um there's That's another mechanism we yeah, yeah, yeah have like a list yeah so um and you know i you know i do the best because i i tend to run the meetings mm-hmm. um just because i get a lot of pleasure out of it i tend to know yeah. which movies are ranked which way mm-hmm. um but i forget now so yeah. nobody can ask me because it's gone it's out of my brain sure. I have a baby <laughs> but obviously winner and runner-up are marriage star and parasite mm-hmm. and unlike most years this is the first year where every single film on our best film finalists mm-hmm. won at least one other award that's awesome it is so really awesome. cool. It's, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, it's just really, I don't know. It's weird that it doesn't happen. You'd think it yeah. would happen more often, oh, but, yeah. but I think it also, you know, it, it, yeah. speaks to just the way that we do things that it's like, oh, yeah. okay, like it's not like, we're not saying like, okay, well, because this got best animated feature exactly. it deserves to be on like rated higher or however yeah. we do it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's an it's indicative just, of, Kind of serendipitous yeah, almost. Exactly. Um, but yeah, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Booksmart, mm-hmm. Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. Knives Out, The Lighthouse, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yep. Round out our top ten. Yeah. Which I was um, super happy with because I saw all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, there's not a, there's not one in the bunch. Even though like I didn't, I wasn't quite as connected to like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood or... Um, once upon a time, I need to see again. But like, I'm super happy with it. Yeah, like, I yeah. think it's a good representation. It's of a year in film. it's a really weird. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It's a weird year. It's um, you know, you look at uh, we've been posting our past top tens for the past decade mm-hmm. on the IFJA Facebook page. We email them around to each other, and you know, as the group has grown, I feel like the the consensus has gotten more and more solid and there are a lot of less, there are outliers still Mm -hmm. that you don't see on other lists sometimes. Right. But it's gotten more and more, you know, 
the top 10 has gotten better and better and more indicative of the year as a whole in film. Absolutely. Uh, simply because we have more members to make more arguments. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's, I'm looking forward to what the next year brings. This year had so many oh, yeah. good movies, especially in the back end, yeah. that it became an interesting year to see what would win. And that's one of the things, just in terms of just being like just an obsessive viewer of films. Yeah. Um, like, I love that, like, okay, like, right now, like... You like we can see like all the big like like blockbusters that are that are like yeah. on the calendar for the next year and like we know what's in the works and everything. Oh yeah, like, like there are movies that I'm I have no like that are oh, not yeah. on my radar that are going to blow me away next. Totally, year. it's yeah. the best thing about being it's, part of the IFJA and and oh, yeah. yeah, every year. I mean, you never know what's going to come up. Yeah, this year was so special because I was very frustrated up until. Mm-hmm july there wasn't anything like 2017 and 18 both had really good early releases 18 especially had a lot of my favorite movies in the beginning of the year and then there's a point in time where i was working from home a lot we have some mm-hmm. home things done i was watching some movies that's another way i watched a lot of movies this year is i, I worked nice. from home a lot but nice. um i had this weekend where neon sent me monos mm-hmm. and one and i got one child nation from amazon and i got honeyland from neon and like I was just finally starting to see movies that I loved, and Monos is a foreign film yeah. um, that I really loved from Neon, um, mm-hmm. uh, South American, I think. I do not remember the actual nationality, but like yeah. that's an example of a movie that like I wish there wasn't such a great foreign language category right. this year because I could have got more people to watch it. But yep. you know, uh, yeah. yeah, just a really really impressive. Uh, it was. Year. It was a great year, and also just I mean, as someone who's new to the group and everything, like you do a fantastic job, like keeping like. It's a group oh, effort and everything, yeah. but like keeping the reins, and yeah, like keeping well, thanks, everything yeah. organized is really, really good. Yeah, so yeah, it's a great um, time. It's, oh yeah, it's a highlight. I, I tell everyone like it is really like it is the best hobby I could have never mm-hmm. imagined having. Like yeah. is oh yeah, having a successful. Mm-hmm. You know, within its means and goals, film website with yeah. my wife and a lot of my friends and IFJ with all my friends. And, you know, it's it's really great. Oh, totally. And, yeah. like, I, I love that. Like, I I love having a podcast that appears successful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, success is relative. Like, oh, yeah. we've only just now hit the consistent three months in a row of 5,000 views on our website, which oh, is nice. not a lot at all. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot for us. And right. it, you know, it's, you know, it, it it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. It only goes up, sort of. So, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I love doing it, obviously. And I love uh, being a part of the IFA yeah. as well. Awesome. Um, yeah. And we obviously should wrap it up. But real quick, yeah. do you want to say anything about Heartland Horror? Um, not for now. Not, not for now. Okay. We don't have any. We don't really gotcha. have any announcements at this point. Okay. But we may later in the year. Um, gotcha. Heartland's, Heartland, you know, they get submissions all year round. And yeah. It's very early in that process. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they haven't gotten a lot. I think they heat up in the spring. So gotcha. then we'll okay. know better what the shape yeah. will be. I meant more just telling the audience oh, about it. Oh, nah, no. I'll tell them about it later. Okay. It's gotcha. fine. <laughs> it, there's nothing to tell. Sure. All right. Well, once again, where can people find you online? Yeah, MidwestFilmJournal.com, uh, Midwest Film Journal Twitter. Uh, mostly just share our, our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that that's the main place. IFJA, nice. Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, Midwest Film Journal, Facebook, Twitter. Um, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for thank joining for, me on the show. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> Uh, just you yeah, know, thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll definitely have you back. Great. Um, yeah, uh, as long as I can coerce you into it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Of course, we're going to have links to all of the stuff we talked about in the show notes of this episode, which you can find at obsessiveviewer.com/slash/ov whatever the 
episode number is. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, we'll have our a bunch of Star Wars stuff, I'm sure. But yeah, in the pipeline. But anyway, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. One final thing about Frozen. Um, I just, I imagine, like, there there's some sketch that needs to be written or something that's a bunch of, like, got, like, bros, hashtag broing out, if you will. Sure. Um talking like talking about disney princesses because because i just like in my head i just imagine one person saying like (laughs) hang on saying that man that elsa she's a real ice queen damn it (laughs) Uh, well it was nice knowing you ben i uh Okay. Just imagine wrap this up all those years <laughs> back to kindergarten. You met me. Yep. <laughs> if you had not met me, you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> oh god. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com/ovarchive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White. That's me at R a Fekis and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. 
The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Kitty!